So technical certifications have become really popular both for gaining our own competence, but also for being more valuable in the job market. And the same applies for the Kubernetes-specific certifications. But the question comes, how do you apply the knowledge you have gained while preparing and passing the certification in a real-life production environment? This is a very, very interesting question that today we would like to answer for all our listeners in the tech community together with our guest, Benjamin Mushko. Welcome. My name is Kristina Devochko. I'm Michael Levan. Welcome. How are you, Ben? Uh, good. I'm doing well. Pretty cold here in Denver. Um, I think it's going to be minus eight Fahrenheit or something. And it has been like this for the past three days. So I'm looking forward to getting outside again. <laughs> it's crazy here. So you haven't been outside during these three no, days? I've been locked up. <laughs> I totally get it. In my house all, all weekend. Yeah, I have my hood on currently because it is, I think, five degrees or six degrees out in New Jersey right now. And my heat is up, but I don't know. It's still freezing. So. It sounds like a great time to sit by the fireplace and exactly. do an episode of Kubernetes Unpacked podcast, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So going from certification to production, and I think this is something where a lot of people often get caught up, but there's no real right or wrong answer. There's nothing other than, you know, almost like going with the flow of your knowledge. So, you know, you get the certification. Why do you get the certification? Because it's important, because, you know, your job may want you to get it or because the job that you may want, uh, wants you to have it. You know, the CKA, the CKAD, the CKS, these are all very popular Kubernetes certifications. Uh, and most importantly, they're certifications that are hands-on. But then the question is, what happens when you pass a certification and you get into the real world? Because a good part of the certification is not real world, right? One example that comes up in my head is uh, all the certifications are, are very kubectl based. You know, your kubectl, whatever you want to call the command line, I say kubectl. I don't know if anybody else does, but that's how I say it. But in the real world, what do we tell people? Don't go the imperative method right? Go something, get ops focused, make it more declarative. Don't, you know, just live on the command line. So it's good to have that hands-on experience for the certification. And it also kind of prepares you for what you need to do in the real world, but also it, it kind of doesn't, right? So Ben, curious on your thoughts there, since, you know, you're the guy that's written a good majority of the certification books for Kubernetes uh, for O'Reilly. So... Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. If you look at the certifications, at least the hands-on ones, I would say you would usually optimize for speed. You have about two hours for the certifications and they're like anywhere between like 15 to 19 questions. Those two hours go by quickly. So if you start by going to the Kubernetes documentation, assuming that you won't remember all the attributes in the YAML manifest, you would like copy paste it, modify it if you wanted to go the declarative route. And then once you actually get to the point of creating the object, um, it simply just takes a while. Sometimes there are nice shortcuts using cube control. I'm saying cube CTL or cube control, <laughs> another one here, cube cuddle. It is just quicker to run the command if you remember it. But as you said before, like likely in production or in a real world project, you don't necessarily want to run those commands because you have no track record of what you actually did before. So if you wanted to, I don't know, upgrade a cluster 
and you created objects before, just as one example, everything is gone. So if you don't keep your state somewhere, then you would have to basically rerun those commands. So you want to have basically your template of things that you want to create, and those should be checked into version control. And then specifically talking about GitOps, um, you want to have them. I mean, they're a prerequisite to be in version control. Otherwise, you can't really use tools like Argo and so on. So I would totally agree that it's nice to understand what imperative commands there are in general, how they function, what options there are. But I would say as soon as you transition over to an actual project that you will have to manage, you'll likely not run those imperative commands anymore. You would likely run cube control or not even run any command. You may actually use a different tool that runs the command for you in some sort of fashion. And this may not even be with cube control. It may be Helm, whatever. And oftentimes that's also abstracted away. That kind of reminds me that these certifications are done in the same way as you would do exams at the university, for instance. Like if you, some of you have taken like computer science degree, typically during the exam and during the study semesters, you would be pushed to not use the existing standard libraries mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, that you could use, for example, to implement some kind of algorithm, but you would need to do this hardcore implementation yourself. And that is because the main goal is kind of to build that fundamental knowledge from how things work from the ground up. And I guess probably that the reasoning behind why the same uh, thing happens with Kubernetes-specific certifications is still that they want to test your like efficiency and, and knowledge of using the, the command line and kind of hardcore object editing, I guess, though you wouldn't do that yeah. in most cases in production. Yeah, you bring up a good point here as having a good analogy here. So thinking back to like going through a CS science degree, you'd likely have to implement bubble sort yourself. Would you ever do it later on? No, not really. <laughs> you just you call the sort function in your favorite programming language. So same kind of analogy, I would agree. Yeah. So Michael, from your perspective, so once you took the certification, and I'm not quite sure if you actually took one of those to uh, peek into what is being covered and how it is being covered. Once you make the leap towards production, let's say you got the cert, you applied for a job, and now you got the job, and now you're like asked to actually achieve something like deploy an application to production, they may have tooling in place or not. How do you see this knowledge being applied or being helpful in production at all? Yeah, so it's definitely a step up from, you know, choose A, B, C, or D, right? It's, uh, you know, for, for the certifications, uh, like for the CK, for example, it's all hands-on. So you're running commands, you're in an existing environment, it has nothing to do with, you know, read a couple of sentences or read a paragraph and then go and answer a question. So what ends up happening is you're using other parts of your brain, right? Because, you know, A, B, C, D, multiple choice, that's very like memorization specific. There was an old saying way back when, when you would say, you know, paper MCSE and paper MCSA, uh, because what would end up happening is, you know, people would get the exam questions uh, with the answers from sources that would do such a thing. <laughs> and then they would, you know, literally just memorize all of the questions and all of the answers. So we're a step up there with the hands-on exam, right? We are a step up in terms of, okay, you actually got to get on the keyboard and do a thing. Maybe not 
the thing, but you have to do a thing. And then when you get to production, then you have to do the thing. And then the answer, the question rather is, okay, how much of this knowledge ultimately transfers over? And what I would say is this, from a Kubernetes core project, right? I'm thinking about the specific SIGs that are incorporated. I'm thinking about the core project as a whole, how it works just by itself. If we wiped away all these other tools and third parties and add-ons that go into Kubernetes, and we just talked about the Kubernetes core project, the concepts that you learn from the CKA, the CKD, the CKS, they do transfer. And even some of the third-party and add-on tools for like the CKS do transfer. So for example, uh, I'm not sure if they have updated it since, but I worked with Linux Foundation last year and I updated all the labs for the CKS for them. And all of the labs, you know, there were obviously, of course, labs that had to do with just raw Kubernetes, but there were also third-party tools that were used. So with like a cert like that, for example, you're like, they're actually using third-party tools or whatever you want to call them. I call them third-party tools or add-ons. I'm talking about things like Cubescape or Argo CD or whatever, right? Anything that's not in the core project. So a good majority of the knowledge does transfer over. Where it begins to get a little bit, you know, hairy is the other third-party tools, the other add-ons that you need to use in production. So again, going back to like what we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast, you're running a whole bunch of kubectl commands. You're doing it all imperatively on the terminal. And that's the right way to do it on the exam. But if you're doing that in production, you're doing things the wrong way. You should ideally be thinking about uh, GitOps implementation, whether it's Argo, whether it's Flux, or at the very least, you should be thinking about, okay, if I'm going to run kubectl, apply minus F commands because we don't want to implement GitOps for whatever reason, we should at least be doing this in a pipeline or something. Uh, So we should be incorporating CICD. We shouldn't be doing anything imperatively. The long-winded answer to your question is I believe that all of the core project-specific things that you get from the exam do 100% transfer over. But what you don't get is the real world piece of, okay, now I'm in production and whoa, what's this Argo thing? What's the CICD thing? What are all of these things? What are these scanning tools and these uh, artifact scanning tools and and, uh, these cost tools and these resource optimization tools and this monitoring and this observability? Like you're not getting that... uh, production real world focus from any certification but again at least if you're taking the cka cks ckd and it's hands-on you're moving in a much better direction than you are answering abcd questions i think one more thing i was missing um just adding on to what you said when i went through the certifications and what is being covered you're being asked to run cube control quite a bit um and for example they would say hey add Defined a container with resource uh, requests and limits. And then you ask yourself, but what exactly should I use in production? Should I just define requests? Should I just define limits? What should be the numbers and how do I determine them for production? And then what are the best practices? So that is sometimes what I'm missing from those certifications as well. Then you dig into it a bit more. Maybe you Google for it. You find a bunch of blog posts with different opinions as well. And that is also something that I feel is a little bit missing in the Kubernetes documentation in general, like best practices. So if you define requests and limits, Mm -hmm. what should be the numbers? How do you determine them? Um, 
maybe how do you align those numbers between requests and limits as well? When should you define this or that? For what kind of resources? Things like that. So in terms of how we could potentially think uh, through such a certification in the optimal way, do, do you guys have any ideas how it could look like in the best way we could basically form such a certification so it would be applicable to production? So let's say you could come up, completely redo the certifications to make them as useful as possible for production or real-world projects. Do you have any ideas how you would do it? I think that a much better way, in my opinion, would have been to have a project that you would need to do at your own time. You don't get this time limits. You get a real life kind of sandbox type of environment, kind of like a CTF approach, capture the flag approach that you have in the security community, that you get a specific task that you need to figure out. And this is fully hands-on, and maybe you need to implement something like define, for example, set up a GitOps uh, implementation, and then they would look and assess depending on how you have done that and if you have been following the best practices. And this is not theoretical, so you can use ChatGPT and uh, the alike services just to some extent, but you would still need to know how to implement it in a correct uh, production-ready manner. And that will be the way to assess it. Uh, and then you get that that time to actually do that. That is kind of not super short, like when you have an hour or two and not super long, that you don't have lots of time to go and consult with other people. I have seen, for example, in Norway, we have a startup that created a service uh, for recruiters and like companies where people can register who are looking for a new job and they get a project depending on what kind of role they're looking for. And then they need to complete the project. And it is being assessed by other developers like senior engineers, uh, senior architects that are in the field right now. And they are assessing that based on their knowledge of the best practices and give you kind of a score and showcase also your projects. And they vary all the time. So they update them all the time. And this is like, hey, here are potential candidates that have implemented this and this and this manner. So you at the same time build like showcase what you can and at the same time build that knowledge and maybe even get a job faster. And I think this is like a very cool way that would, I guess, be much more qualitative, both for kind of those who are taking such exams uh, and also for those who are reviewing that that will be probably more interesting to build from the engineer perspective, I think. Yeah, I want to go back, Ben, to what you were saying before about like, for example, the the requests and the limits and the quotas and stuff like that. You know, it... (laughs) It sparked something in my head because this whole podcast, you know, this episode we've been talking about uh, from cert to production, but there's another way. What about from production to cert? So like, for example, if I'm sitting there and I'm taking an exam and I've been working with Kubernetes for X amount of years and I, you know, think that I know all the best practices and yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. And I go to an exam and it says set CPU limits. I'm going to say... No, that's silly. Why would I do that? Uh, <laughs> you know, so so there's almost like this, uh, how can I put it? It's like if you've been working in production, and this is interesting, you almost have to turn off your knowledge gained and take a few paces back and then take the exam. 
So then the question becomes, how beneficial is it? That's probably a, a question that has been talked about for years, right? Because there are people that love certifications and there are people that are like, certifications are silly. And there are people that are somewhere in the middle. So that, that's actually a decent enough question that we definitely can't answer on this podcast, but to kind of ponder of like, if I'm working in production for X amount of years, and if I have to turn off my real world knowledge to pass an exam, how beneficial is the exam? To go back, I'm not saying that the exams are not beneficial. I just think that perhaps they are more beneficial to particular audiences. And then the answer or, or the the segue into your question of, well, how would you set up a real world exam? And, you know, it would be things like don't put bad practices on an exam. point. <laughs> 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 So, yeah, I mean, from like a, a real world perspective of setting up an exam, I think what I would do is I would almost set up, let's say I set up like three application stacks, right? And I would say, you know, here are your three paths. Each path, if you pass one of them, will get you to the end of the exam, right? It'll make you pass. Path one, maybe you got Kubernetes and Argo and GitHub Actions. Path two, maybe you have Kubernetes, Flux, and uh, Azure DevOps. Path three, maybe you have Kubernetes, GitLab, and Weaves, GitOps Controller, or whatever, right? But each path would get you to the end. Why? Because even though the tools are different, each of those tools, the concepts are still the same. GitOps is GitOps. CICD is CICD. It doesn't matter which tool you use. The concept, the implementation, the details of which are going into your environment are all the same. It's just a different tool, right? Chicken is chicken, regardless of you know which vendor you get it from. It's all the same stuff, right? So regardless of which path you go down, you're still able to pass the exam. You just get to kind of choose your own adventure. And that's what I would think about implementing if I was, you know, creating my own certification. Well, I do like that they um, at least split up the different certifications by persona or by, by role that you're trying to either transition into or that you want to show off on your resume. Personally, I think the certifications and I think comparing this to any kind of other certifications in the industry are good for anyone that want to have some sort of outline of topics that tell them what do I need to understand as a foundation? What's the foundational level of knowledge I need to acquire? Because otherwise, if, if you were to come to Kubernetes, not use it before at all, um, it would really hard to figure out what you need to understand to fulfill a specific role. Um, you can easily get lost in the other projects that are out there. So having a starting point, having a clear guidance on what topics are going to be important, I think is good for beginners. And I could probably easily envision another certification on top of the ones that already exist as you describe right now. So now you want to go one level up. You want to level up your knowledge. Now you will have to implement and use external tools. Um, you will have to implement a specific project however you want to. I think it would be even better to not necessarily have those guards in place or have specific options, but maybe just come up with your own solution. It can take as much time as you want to, and then you just present it to somebody similar to an interview. You would say like, hey, I decided to use this uh, tool because I feel it's going to implement this or this, and it will help me with X. Uh, what do you think? Or what other options? Or you could jump in as the interviewee 
in the viewer um, and say, well, uh, what do you think about this tool? Do you have any experience with that? Um, and you basically could have a conversation. Obviously, it would require additional resources on the other end. So if you want to say, hey, I want to prove my knowledge here, you would have to have a person that spends an hour or two with you together, talk through it. And I can see like, obviously, certifications are somewhat of a money machine as well. You, hmm. you see right now, like the CNCF is ramping up on, on certifications quite a bit. So obviously, it's lucrative in some sort of way. And if you can automate kind of like the validation of the answers, that's awesome. And I think on that level, it's completely fine. But I think once you make the leap towards production to real world, I think there could be another level of knowledge or experience you could prove here. And maybe we could argue that that is simply production. That is what you do in your day-to-day -day job. Maybe that's what it is. But I feel like there's a mismatch between what you learn in the certification and the best practices that you should apply. So there should be something, whether that's a certification or something else that is missing here. I think maybe another point that I'm actually curious, like what your experience is with it. But I think another point that is quite frustrating, specifically with CKD, CK and CKS, is that quite many are experiencing problems with the environments where they need to complete the tasks. A lot of problems. And then you have the time-based time-restricted uh, assignments, and then you are kind of stuck. Quite often, there is no way you could like get that exam try back. That really discourages quite many also to go ahead and try it once again, because you've used so much time and effort here, and it's just not working as it should. Like, What has your experience been with it? Have you seen these issues as well? Yeah, the first time I took the CKD was a couple of years back. And back then, they still used a browser-based ap approach. Um, so you didn't have to log into the PSA platform, which they use right now. So PSI, I think, is like a certification provider. Um, and it's not really specific to Kubernetes or CNCF projects. It's really just being used as one provider in the industry for certifications what I noticed, sometimes it can be slow. Uh, what happened to me before, it dropped my connection completely. I was kicked out. I had to reconnect. And interestingly, I had to prove again who I am. So I had to show my ID, show my room. So I had to go through everything. And on oh. top of that, that didn't stop the time. So the timer was still running what? at the same time, and they wouldn't give me back the time. And I was kind of like, okay, this is unfair to somebody that may not have as much experience or hasn't taken the exam before and could still pass and still had plenty of time. Nevertheless, I think that's not acceptable. So I think that's super challenging. And I think like just generally speaking, the environment has been tough to deal with. Um, so when you go to the Kubernetes documentation and the PSI platform, copy pasting worked Sometimes, I mean, you have to use a specific combination of keys here. So, for example, if I'm on Mac and I use Command C to copy some code snippet, that wouldn't work because it's on a remote desktop, which is Windows. So, you would have to come up with a new combination of uh, copy paste keystrokes, which I didn't remember. I just used the right mouse button, used the copy <laughs> option. I mean, like that was quicker for me than to like constantly remember and change 
change my muscle memory. Um, so it has been challenging and you can see those questions and concerns on the certification Slack channel as well. So I don't know how they're going to handle this in the future, but it has been challenging for many. And I've even read that some people just gave up on it. They're like, yeah. it's like not working out for me. It has too many issues. I mean, given that it is an external provider, I think the CNCF can only propose certain options, I guess. But I think they decided to go on a standardized platform that is being used in the industry. Yeah, that maybe also comes to like that exact point that you highlighted earlier, Ben, about the time it takes to maintain and make it work for everyone with the hands-on type of exam. It's kind of depending on how many resources, both financially and human-wise, you have with the correct yeah. competence to be able to build such a platform as well that would work for all types of devices, internet, uh, locations, you name it. So I guess it's um, also maybe the reason for why the multiple choice exams are so popular, because it's easy to validate, easy to build. <laughs> you know, it uh, doesn't come in comparison with trying to build a full-fledged environment. Yeah, I have to agree with all of these points here. I mean, I think the, you know, Ben, to your point, the hardships that a lot of people have with the certification, that's obviously a huge gripe how the platforms are set up, et cetera. That's kind of the price that you have to pay, unfortunately. It's a hit or miss. It's not something that you can really control. Uh, so definitely keep that in mind, you know, for every, anybody that's listening. If you're about to take the exam and that happens or if it happened, just, you know, remember it's, it's completely out of your control. So uh, thinking about wrapping up here, last and final thoughts, uh, what I'd like to ask is from both you and I'll also put out an idea myself, you know, what's the one thing in your opinions that you can take away as you're going through the certification, whether you take the certification, whether you're just training for it, et cetera, what's one thing in your head that you can take away to use in production? I think that these certifications do provide a good structured fundamental knowledge that you would need to have in order to be able to go back to your company, to your enterprise, evaluate what kind of scenario you have, what kind of applications you have, what kind of security requirements you may have and other types of requirements of on the supply chain, for instance, and be able to kind of navigate that CNCF landscape and choose the proper tools based on that fundamental knowledge you have received from those certifications. And I would say that you don't even need to take that exam unless you have specific requirements, like you have an employer that you really want to work for or apply to a specific role that requires that certification, then you might not have much to go on if they require it, like a hard requirement. But in most cases, like why I often choose a specific certification is just to use that outline to just mm -hmm. go through that structured approach and check, is there anything I need to work a bit more on to get some more practice to understand it a bit more. So this gives you a nice structured approach so that you don't need to Google and trying to figure out and outline a self-learning plan for yourself. So this can be a helpful resource in that manner. So I think from my perspective, I think the, the outline gives you a good tour around the I wouldn't say ecosystem necessarily, but just generally speaking, Kubernetes, it kind of forces you into having to understand certain topics more deeply. And I think most importantly, it requires you to actually run commands and see how it behaves at runtime. I would say it's easy to fall into a pattern with some other certifications, like looking at the AWS certifications. So you just read up on it 
you understand it theoretically, but you don't even know how it's going to behave in production. So you may not know that, let's say you were to use a horizontal pod autoscaler and you would read up on it, but you didn't know that you actually need to have the live metrics for it to function properly or that you need to set resources for your containers, resource requests or limits. Certain aspects you will only figure out if you actually try it out hands-on. It will give you a first taste on how to use Kubernetes in some sort of runtime environment, whether that's in the cloud or um, let's say locally on your machine. So you would have to install some tools as well, like Minikube or whatever you want to use. And then you can make the leap towards a cloud provider afterwards. You have the basic understanding how it would usually behave. And you will actually also see major differences between uh, something like Minikube and um, like a cloud provider, thinking back to load balancing or ingress, certain controllers that you may have to install. So certain aspects will come up that you will have to think about once you make the jump to production. So I think from that perspective, seeing things in action and then potentially also having to Google certain topics and go deeper, not necessarily just stick to the Kubernetes documentation, even though that's the only resource you can actually use them in the exam, but it will force you to think think more deeply about certain topics. So I think that that is something that I do like. And then you will actually automatically find specific opinions that people have. Some people like, for example, Argo, some people like Flux. Some people haven't used those tools at all, but you will at least dive into those topics and will have to try to understand how you would do it in production. Yeah, I would say for me, the, the biggest takeaway is when you're going through studying for the CKA, CKAD, the CKS, one thing that you'll find, like if you're Googling and searching around and looking at forums and seeing how other people did it, there's a like an epic amount of intensity that goes into training for the certifications. Uh, a lot of focus that you need to have, a lot of intensity, uh, a lot of will, right? A lot of drive, a lot of determination to go in, study everything that you need to know and get the exam done. Take that same approach and put it into everything else that you need to learn around your job for Kubernetes. So, you know, it's almost like learn how to create that intensity for something like a certification and take it to also learn about CICD and learn about Argo and learn about everything else that you need for your job. Because if you do that, if you take that intensity and that determination for everything around your job, you're going to have an awesome career. Well, wrapping up here, Ben, I'd like to give you the opportunity to uh, plug away anything you'd like. Um, I don't actually have anything specific, but if you would like to approach me about any questions on the exam, let me know. I'd love to give you some advice when it comes down to solving your problems that you may have with the exam. I do like to train folks on other topics as well. So I'm not just in the Kubernetes space. Um, oftentimes, I actually do train on the O'Reilly platform. So definitely check that out. If you want to talk to me, feel free to do so. I'm uh, very open to any conversation you would like to have. So just hit me up on either LinkedIn or send me an email. You should definitely find my email. We can probably also put it into the show notes. Perfect. And for everybody listening, if you are on or if you are not on the Packet Pushers community Slack channel, we did just recently create a channel specifically for the Kubernetes Unpacked podcast. So jump in, ask any questions. We've had some really awesome conversations going on in there. So definitely feel free to check it out. And thank you everybody for listening. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. All right. Thanks guys.